great. But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will you don't even have to think about it. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just that's where he just after Ooh. ran down. Everybody amazing. I'm not going to remember any of it. That's good. That's the way to go. I'll look at the Rams today and ram it. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Ram it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother and the other great host of this show, Nick. And Nick, one week until the draft. OTAs have begun. Allen Robinson is no longer a Ram. He's a Pittsburgh Steeler. But first and most importantly, how are you, my good brother? I'm doing good. You know, it's been a big couple of days with all the uh, all the football news coming in. Um, we got playoff hockey, playoff basketball, a lot to watch. Um, Allen Robinson thing, just right off the bat, just definitely happy to get rid of that contract. We were paying him so much money. That was maybe the worst less needs night signing maybe in this in this Sean McVay era. Um, just get him off the books. Good luck in Pittsburgh. Like you know, we're not going to miss you. Some could argue, yeah, it's it's a shame because we really kind of all wanted it to work, and we were thinking of uh, strategical ways that we could reintegrate him into the offense. Right? I know Jordan mentioned giving him a, a tight end route tree so that you can catch more things over the top get the ball in his hands more often. That's no longer a conversation. What happened was we swapped seventh round picks. So we get 234 in the seventh round and they get 251. So the Rams, they're ending up paying 10.25 million of Robinson's salary. The Steelers are going to pay five, the remaining five. So not great. Like none of this is great. Robinson passed the physical. The deal's already done. It's essentially a $5 million salary dump for the Rams if you look at it that way, right? Because the Steelers are paying the remaining $5 million. Um, and OTC... Uh, Jason of Over the Cap just recently quoted saying it will go down as one of the all-time worst moves in free agency history as the Rams took on a bullish approach, giving him a con- contract that was worth up to a, a $15 million per season with $30.25 million guaranteed at signing, fully guaranteed. We paid him almost $26 million for 33 receptions for 330 yards. Like the Rams are now going to carry $21.45 million in dead money. It's incremental to the $50 million that they were already paying. So the Rams are up to $74 million in dead money for the 2023 season. So <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, right? It's not just a simple pick swap. Everybody was hopeful, oh, we'll get a six-round pick. We'll get a seventh-round pick and maybe a player. It's a pick swap. It's a salary dump. And you're just kind of cutting your losses. Like we've said, if you're not a part of the core, you're essentially not a part of the long-term program and the long-term vision for this team. And that's how it goes here. Yeah. I mean, and this is just going to piggyback on what we're about to talk about this Jalen Ramsey tweet and delete. Um, But they must've had thoughts that he was going to be a long-term, you know, key player, like a, you know, like a Robert Woods, Coming in, like they got rid of Robert and they brought in Allen Robinson, thinking that he was going to be this, you know, like slot receiver that was going to, you know, light things up, you know, get up and jump and grab the ball, have finally have like an A plus quarterback that can, you know, throw it to you deep. And yeah, I mean, worst free agency deal in history. It doesn't feel like an understatement. It doesn't. I mean, 
there, you know, it was post Super Bowl, so everybody was just high and happy, and it seemed like at the time it made sense. We were, you know, we both really liked it. Um, but yeah, it's not uh, it's not something that they should or any GM should really think about, you know, <laughs> you know replicating in any kind no. of way. Yeah, you have a you brought up a really good point. I think to um, to the point of long term planning. If it was a three year deal with Allen Robinson, like what was the long term vision? Was it similar to what Robert Woods' vision was in twenty seventeen to be able to kind of bring him along with Matthew Stafford and and keep him within a you know a sustainable uh, uh, offense, one that can can get the best out of the qualities that he brings to the table. I think that was the that was initially the plan, but I think you kind of have to do a, a really huge reevaluation across the table in terms of how you're giving out these big term contracts because like the vision holistically feels like it's off if you're giving a player a three year deal and then releasing him, trading him a year later because I, I just don't understand, you know, because I, I think that's where a lot of fans have problems. Like alongside of what we're going to dig into with the draft where fans have problems with the execution within the draft and the players that you're picking. Some have criticized today. I saw Sly on Twitter today talking about how Les Snead only has the ability to trade for top players with draft picks. He doesn't have the ability to draft. So, I mean, that you know, there's a couple of hits here and there, and there's a couple of players that you wish you could have forgotten. But I think that the long-term vision has jumped around so frequently. After they climbed the mountaintop after five years, the vision after that was, how can we stay somewhat of a winning franchise? How can we continuously roll out a roster that we feel like is good enough to be able to at least put up points and win games? And, uh, you know, once that vision changes, it's like, okay, everything has to change. Leonard Floyd has to go. Bobby Wagner has to go. Alan Robinson has to go. And this is all stuff we've been talking about for a couple of months. But, I, you know, I think it's a it's a tough pill to swallow. It is when you lose a player like this. And I, But I think the contract alone and the way that they're structuring it is the harder pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you would hope that they take on more than five million. The fact that we're paying the majority of his salary next year um, is atrocious. I mean, the long-term vision—I don't really think they had one. Honestly, I don't think they did. I think the long term was to get back to another Super Bowl last year, win another one, and retire. And yeah. I thought they were—they yeah. were like all of them, you know, Ram, not Ramsey, but. Donald McVeigh, maybe even Snead, like kind of just like we're done, we did it, like get me on TV. Um, but then you know to get really humbled last year and to get like seven offensive line injuries and in, like within the first three weeks and realizing, oh wow, like we have a giant target on our back because we just won the Super Bowl and our division's actually you know flourishing and all of a sudden we're like the weakest team. Um, even though they somehow beat the Cardinals and landed in third place in the division. Um, and then halfway through the season realizing, okay, uh, we like if we want to make a plan to get back to where we were, it's going to require losing a lot of this talent, starting over, and having like a down year this year and potentially a down year next year. And yep. that's the mode I think they're in right now. Um, but just to think that there was a – there must have been a conversation where they were like, okay, let's give Allen Robinson this money, and maybe we don't really need to give Jalen Ramsey much money, uh, much more money, because he's somehow not a part of uh, this next run that we're going on. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, like, yeah. if you want to bring up the deleted tweet, I don't know if you have it, but it's, it's I do. certainly I do. very interesting. Jalen Ramsey tweeted, false. I never asked for a new deal, and they never asked me to restructure anything because I would have. They, two people with the Rams, assuming that's Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastors, 
just wanted a new direction. So then I moved on accordingly. So, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff to digest there. I think from like an Allen Robinson, Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner perspective, like they were some contracts that you gave out that you just had to get out from underneath of. Like it was just, it, it wasn't, it, you're right. I think it was just a part of trying to get back to the Super Bowl, trying to get back to where they were previously and not thinking about the negative ramifications of how the contract could be structured. And then I, I think Jordan even commented on the, the tweet from today because there was something to, to my knowledge, Ramsey's camp had not brought up the idea of a new contract to interested teams and any potential trade is a function of the Rams' own state of affairs, less so Ramsey's, right? So the idea wasn't brought up. It wasn't necessarily something that, that Ramsey's camp had on their mind. I guess he more so felt that the Rams had to kind of come to him with a contract renegotiation, a contract restructure that would have given him more guaranteed money up front versus pushing it down the line. So it's it's always interesting in the way that the Rams do business, but there's no will will. It seems like everything is, has been put on the table. The plan is very much the plan, whether they think it's going to work or not, With whether they have 45 players on the roster, they have 95. They still feel like this plan can be sustainable and can work for the foreseeable future. So that's how it's going to be structured. Um, and players like Ramsey, Robinson, Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner, like they're all just kind of part of the process. Yeah. It's hard to just kind of, you know, cheer up and get behind and be like, yeah, this is great. But I mean, just it's not always the case. With Ramsey and now Robinson and all the other losses this year, um, it's hard to latch on to, you know, those superstars for long at all because there is no there is no guarantee that any of them will be around going further. So sure. You know, love LA, love the city, um, enjoy the Rams, but don't fall in love, which is the tale of Los Angeles. Never fall in love. Yeah, you can't. You can't. But one thing you can do is you could fall in love with uh, a couple of draft picks this year. You can fall in love with a potential brand new core. You can fall in love with some shiny toys, whatever it may be that you feel like can be sustainable, where we can create the next core, we can create the next four or five grouping of players that can be around for the next four or five years. Hopeful that two or three of those guys, four of those guys can get contracts outside of that fourth year into the fifth year, sixth year, and, and be a part of the franchise for the long run for the next six, seven year gap. So in players like Rob Havenstein, players like Aaron Donald, right? They've been around for six or seven years. They've earned their second deal, their faces of the franchise, their core pillars, their weight bearing walls, whatever it is that you want to call them. And I think that that's kind of a good way to preface what we're doing with the big board. I think if you guys have recently checked in with the big board, and I'll make sure to post a link on this episode, we have 101 players on the big board right now. And if you ask 101, if you ask why, it's because Nick and I, we like to go one step beyond. We really do. We like to take it over the top. I know, Nick, I used that joke in our uh, our pre-meeting before the episode, but I, I think it's important to let everybody know that there's 45 players that the Rams need to to pick up, to fill out the roster. A handful of them are going to come throughout the draft, whether they determine that they're going to trade back, which is a methodology that Les Snead tends to use more frequently. He feels like, feels like the calculus on trading back is more justifiable versus trading forward versus trading up in the draft. They traded up last year to get Kyron Williams. It hasn't worked out so well for them in the past. Trading up to get Tavon Austin 10 years ago or so. Trading up to get Jared Goff. Not that that was – it's just that the hall – 
for trading up is, is much more difficult to overcome versus trading back, collecting more assets and, and only having to part ways with one or two draft picks or a player that's been around for a long time. So I think in terms of the way that the big board is structured, you guys want to check into that. All players um, that we really love, that we feel like can A, be priority, can be, be a part of the of the core moving forward, can be a part of you know that next tier to where they're supplemental players, but they're equally as important as important. They're guys that get you through playoff games. They're guys that help you win games. They're impactful players. They're skilled players. So if you want to take some time, go through the big board because there's a lot of really, really good names on here that we feel like can kind of recraft the organization and bring out the best parts of the Rams, which yeah, is a lot of, you know, and when you're doing something like that, you realize how many holes there are and how much rebuilding. I know they don't want to use that word retooling or whatever, whatever you want to call it how much work is needed. So it's going to be a lot like this draft is really important for the future of the Rams. Um, like to see what kind of team they're going to be moving forward. If they kind of can, you know, be a little like the Lakers and have their like three, four stars and just have a lot of glue guys that can kind of hold it together throughout. Um, because if you look at the people that they've released versus the people that they've picked up so far, I think they released like 14 and they've picked up one hunter long. So it's going to be a <laughs> yeah. lot. It's yeah. going to be a lot. It's a, it's, it's a big overtaking for sure. But I think like to your point, Nick, it is the most important draft in the last six years without a doubt. So what we did was like we mentioned, we put together a hundred plus names. It's very much based. So if you look at the graph ratings, it's very much based off of Dan Brugler's uh, beast board of the athletic. If you haven't seen the beast board yet, it's incredibly thorough. It's like a 500-page PDF. It's a really, really impressive document. But it's also based on this big board. It's also based on some of our own grades. And knowing that the Rams like to stockpile picks late, knowing that you know Les Snead does his calculus and potentially does get back into the fourth round, does get more picks in the fifth and sixth round, does get more picks in the seventh round, that's kind of how we built this with the methodology of, okay, let's try to stockpile it with as many good players that, that we really, really like. And we broke it out in two separate mock drafts. So one of which is the shiny toy draft. So this is coming off of the Allen Robinson news. It's coming off of the fact, Nick, that the Rams like to draft running backs early. They like to draft wide receivers early. They like to draft a tight end early. They've done it in consecutive years. Daryl Henderson, Cam Akers, Gerald Everett, like it had Tutu Atwell, like it happens. That's what they like to do. So, I mean, that's kind of the methodology with this shiny toy draft. I'm going to go through it, and we'll start with this one. It's Darnell Washington, Tank Dell, with in the round three, pick number 69. Round three, pick number 77 is Darius Rush. Round five, 167 is Dejuan Johnson out of Toledo. I think I overdrafted him, to be honest. I think we both did. Round five, 177 is Israel Ab Abidikanda, running back from Pittsburgh. Round five, 177. These are all compensatory picks, everything in round five. Jordan McFadden, interior offense alignment at Clemson, pairs him up with um, his buddy Trayman Akram. Round six, number 182, MJ Anderson, edge rusher out of Iowa State. And then we go Jaron Hall with 189 from BYU. Ronnie Hickman, safety out of Ohio State with 191. Jake Bobo uh, in round seven with pick 223 and then pick 223 which is the pick we just got from the Pittsburgh Steelers for trading Allen Robinson. We go BT Potter, kicker from Clemson. So, Nick, that's the shiny toy draft. 
I think there's three players in there that are worth previewing, probably a handful more. Like I really love Darius Darius Rush in any one of these situations, whether yeah. you go shiny, shiny toy or future core. But Darnell, Tank, and Darius would be the top three picks in this shiny toy draft. So shiny, shiny toy draft, uh, you know, offensive weapon draft, whatever you want to call it, because that's really yeah. what it is. Exactly. Besides the round three pick um, where you finally get a CV. Um, this is, to me, this feels more likely just if you look at the history of how McVeigh and Sneed um, kind of operate together um, and how much they trust themselves, how much they trust that with new pieces, the McVeigh offense can shine again. And I'll be the first to say it without an offensive line and time for Stafford or Goff or Baker to sit there and these plays to develop, you're not going to get anything. You're really not. You're totally um, right. So this is I this is what I don't want to see. I don't want to see the shiny toy draft. I fear this is more than likely what is going to happen. Um, I think you drafted a running back too low um, <laughs> for them. Like uh, Israel, like I feel like he would probably yeah. go higher for them. Drunk I don't know. Hit. That's yeah. somebody that that they met with, right? That is, yep. Yeah, so they like them. Um, I worry that this is the direction that they're going to go, and just <laughs> and this is less glue. This is more flash. So less this glue, is like getting, flash. and I guess my mind's just on the Lakers right now. I don't know, but this is like getting Westbrook, um, thinking that you're just being like, oh yeah, like just bringing somebody that's you know, talented and our problems will be solved when really fundamentally there are so many more issues that need to be addressed um, before you can just do something like that and expect it to work. How about Westbrook and Kwai though? They're the dynamic duo that nobody thought would work out. Not really. They'll lose that series. <laughs> um, they definitely will. Yeah, but yeah. you're right. You know, the Hachimoras of the world and the Austin Reeves and the Dennis Schroeders, like those are the kind of players that I feel like are more important to a sustainable winning franchise, right? Yeah. Like if you're gonna, you could have your top three, you could be top heavy. And that was what Lesney wanted to move away from in the, the current way that the roster is being constructed is let's be less top heavy. Let's have more supplemental players, players that can help, players that can build off of other player strengths, other core player strengths specifically, Donald, Cup, Stafford. So yeah, Nick, I, I think that... Um, your thinking is spot on. And that's kind of the purpose of why we laid it out this way was to kind of reconfigure everybody's minds and reset what everybody's thinking about, because the logical thing isn't always the answer with this team. Like the logical pick last year wasn't too, too at well, right? It, it wasn't Logan Bruss, right? I guess Logan Bruss was more of a logical pick, but like you think to yourself when, when you're going with offensive skill players, top heavy, it's a little bit more risky. Right, you could find an interior defensive lineman like a Greg Gaines, like an Ashawn Robinson. You could find an edge rusher like a Sansom Ebocam. You could find a Leonard Floyd in the second round and the third round. Right, so there are other players, defensive players. You have to inevitably replace Jalen Ramsey. Are the safeties that you drafted last year good enough to be able to bridge you through this next three, four year window? You're mm -hmm. kind of asking yourselves. <laughs> no, the answer is no. You're asking yourself almost every single question under the book. I mean, the, the players that I really didn't load up within the big board was inside linebacker because it feels likely that every single other position is up for grabs. 
And I, I think that that's just because Ernest Jones has, has essentially earned his role there. But that doesn't mean that we may not draft other players for depth. They can fill a special teams need. They could play behind Ernest Jones in case something happens. Otherwise, you're getting another Troy Reader from the University of Delaware that was an undrafted player that came off the streets. Or you hire another cop like Jeremiah Cologne who played offensive line. Oh, I remember telling that to somebody in the supermarket because I was wearing like a Ram sweater. He was like, do you think we're going to win today? And I was like, no, we have a cop on the offensive line. I, know, I remember. You and he was like, no, that. we don't. And I was like, off the streets, my man, <laughs> literally. Uh, he did a, a decent job considering he was a cop off the streets. But I think, that, Nick, that there are some real massive benefits to going with the shiny <laughs> to going with the shiny toy draft. Right? Like Darnell Washington, a three-year starter at Georgia. He's a traditional wide tight end in the offense coordinator, Tom Mulkin's offense lining primarily up in line. I mean, that's essentially what you're looking for for a tight end. They could line up in line. He lined up 66.2% in line throughout his career with Georgia. Somebody that just has the natural size, natural ability to post up defenders, win in a crowded catch point. Like he is just pure focus, pure strength. He eats up grass quickly, long strides, catch and run target, plays with short area agility to quickly be able to adjust to his uh, his route path, which 4.08 second short shuttle was his third best amongst all participants at the combine. Like that's the number that the Rams have circled. It's a number the Rams have highlighted. Like we like short shuttle guys that have short area quickness, that have football quickness. But this guy is just, he's just a monster. Like in all regards, like he's going to help your run game. He's absolutely going to help your red zone game. Like, I mean, him and Tyler Higby on the same line of scrimmage for a year is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Him and so Tyler Higby is going to look like. You could talk like, yourself into either way, you know? Him and Tyler Higby is going to look like James P. Sullivan and Mike Wazowski lining <laughs> on next to each other. Just two <laughs> monsters in every way. Hey, broke the scare record. Hmm. Shattered the scare record if I'm not mistaken. Slumber party. Yeah, Randall didn't even have a chance. Then you go to Tank Dell, Nick. Are we going to Tank. Tavon Austin, 2-2 Atwell, 2.0, 3.0? Uh, here's a little trivia for you guys on Tavon Austin, even though it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> my brother Dean, the guy on the side of me, was on SportsCenter from a vine reacting to the Tavon Austin trade where he is bursting out of his college dorm room uh, holding the phone like, oh, like freaking out because he was so happy with the Tavon Austin, tri- uh, uh, um, you know, pickup. And yep. Yep. also another fun fact, he hated the Cooper Cup pickup. So here's not to, why. Not to right, just, think, you know, but if you put those two things side by side, it, it essentially makes sense. In yeah, the grand yeah. scheme of a young, naive Rams fan who doesn't, who hadn't seen a 1,000 yard receiver since Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt was the only 1,000 yard receiver like in the last 10 years from 06 to 2016. Like I thought Tavon Austin, there was a legitimate chance that he could have been wide receiver one, punt returner. He's got the sickest college highlight tape of all time. Yeah. And it was very clearly a Jeff Fisher pick. And then you go to Cooper Cup, which four years down the line is surgical, thought through. Uh, you did your homework. You know, you you were at the red turf. Like he understood what Eastern Washington was all about. You understood what Cooper Cup's mantra was about: family, football, faith. Like it all kind of made sense. Your, your homework was done, and that's the homework that I didn't do when Cooper Cup was drafted. Right? I just it's remember homework that some people did. I remember in Cooper Cup's. Yeah, this is before we were, you know, taking this as serious as we do now. 
I remember Cooper Cup's first game. I just looking at you and being like, you know, kind of reminds me of Danny Amendola out there. And you were just like, stop. Like, no, he does not. Like, it was, it not. was. I mean, he was bigger, longer, and stronger. Yeah, it was not a good comparison. It was yeah, just a white right. receiver. So I was right. like, right. Amendola, hold the the, the basis, right? The basis yeah. of, of players to compare him to was he's, he's still really difficult to compare him to anybody because he's such a unicorn, um, and that's why that's what we're looking for. Yeah, you're looking for players unicorns. that are you want unicorns, and that's why you could you can go down this direction of shiny toys, right? Like Tank Dell, Tank Tank Dell. Uh, close cushions in a flash creates vertical separation, top end speed, five catches for 40 plus yards in 2022 fluid body control gets in and out of his breaks. His ability to break and bounce in the open field makes him a nightmare to pursue. Like this is all stuff you, you very easily see on the tape, but again, he's five, eight, he's underpowered. He looks like one hit can break him, similar to two, two Atwell, different from Tavon Austin, who looked like he could at least absorb a hit, which is why he went so high in the draft. But like he needs to be able to refine some of his breaks, some of his releases, like corners when they jam him up. He's 5'8". He's, he's going to have a hard time coming out of the break. And all of them do unless you're Tyreek Hill. So, and he didn't he didn't run the most complex route tree in college, right? But that's also like what Sean McVay loves. That's what he likes guys that could run a straight line as fast as they can to see if their quarterback can throw it as far as they can for a 60-yard gainer to get him out of the first two play calls that he mistakenly called and regrets. That's what that's what happens with those kind of players. They're bailouts, right? They're bailouts. So, I mean, Correct. I don't, I don't know just, how many more of them you need. I liked what I saw from 2-2 in the last four or five games last year. Once we get into the, to the future core, I kind of hope they do a little bit of, you know, a little bit shiny toy, a little bit future core. I think that's like yeah. – that's like the perfect balance because the tank um, right now, if you look at our receiver room is it's Cooper cup and it's, it's nobody else that would start on another team outside of maybe like Houston or Atlanta. Well, there's yeah, there's Van Jefferson too, but like, I'm just afraid that right. he's not going to come back after this year. Right. Cause if he commands some money in the open market and the Rams decide that they want to move away from being the top paying wide receiver team in the entire NFL. Yeah. They may end up getting getting rid of Van Jefferson, so I guess it it remains to be seen. But I don't know if they're looking to replace him. They may be, but I wouldn't consider Tank Dell to be a Van Jefferson replacement by any means. If you're looking for a Van Jefferson replacement, I'd go like Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. I like him a lot better. He's a lot bigger. Jonathan Mingo would be another one that I really like. Tyler Scott would be one that fulfills the Tank Dell prophecy of continuously drafting small receivers. Yeah. So, and then what's the other one? Oh, Darius Rush. This is a guy, Nick. I think you talked about balance, shiny toy, and and um, and future core. You balance those two, you you get Darius Rush, and that's I really really like this player. I put him in the in the um, shiny toy grouping, but he's above average for his height and length of the position. He's a fluent mover in terms of his skills, above average acceleration. They clocked him at twenty one point six five miles per hour, which was the fastest clocked at the Senior Bowl time. So that's the Ram. Rams are there, clocked them. All right, got it. He's huge. He's fast. He uh, He's balanced when he backpedals. He's good in man coverage. He shows that reaction quickness to stay connected at the top of, of, of routes, to be able to close out, to be able to burst on crossers. If throws are in front of him, he closes out. Like wide receiver background, um, to have that as a defensive back, I think is really important. I think a lot of them have that. But you could tell it in the way that he attacks the football, the way that he attacks coverage. Um, and I think he's just really competitive. 
Like I, I think that you're getting contribute contribution from him. He's only flagged twice in his career, one face mask, one defensive holding. He was a regular on special teams, 419 <laughs> career special team snaps. So him and Dakota Durant can go after it on the chase team, on the punt team. Um, he was a gunner on, on punt coverage. Uh, an NFL scout said he, he Darius Rush won him over um, pretty quickly. He's constantly locked in. He's constantly changing positions, and he has a team-first mentality. So, you know, you're drafting the kid, right? You're drafting who the, the kid is supposed to be, and if he's a team-first player, he's got that kind of mentality. You know, that's what excites me about those kind of kids. So I would, I would go Darius Rush in any of these hypothetical situations. So that's what we got yeah. for Shiny Toy. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say it would be very fitting um, to get him with the pick that was traded essentially for uh, Jalen Ramsey. So to yeah, get him so, from the, from the which, Dolphins pick. Which pick is that? Oh, from the Dolphins. Yeah, so 77 yeah. overall. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that, you have that would, him. Be, yeah. would be great. Yeah. I also think that would be a little um, low for him to go. So hopefully – I, I do too. Yeah. Yep. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. There's another one that I have in here too. We're going to move over. So that's the shiny toy draft. So you go Darius Rush and then Dejuan, Israel, Jordan McFadden, MJ Anderson, Jaron Hall, Ronnie Hickman. Jaron Hall, by the way, I love in any situation also similar to Darius Rush. Ronnie Hickman also love a lot. Jake Bobo and then PT Potter. So you go like, seriously, you, you could hear me. I go back and forth in my own mind about this stuff constantly, but the future core so this is what I really, really love. Like th- these are eleven players that I don't know if I would be upset if if one of them were drafted, maybe outside of the quarterback. And that's just because I wanted to switch it up for the sake of the example. Yeah. So future core, Nick, Aid Aid, other known as Adetemiwa Debaware, Edge from Northwestern, just a freak of nature. Julius Brents. Another guy has the size cornerback from Kansas State. Take him 69th overall if he's still there. Another guy that can go upwards second round, maybe late second round. Probably won't fall to the third, but pipe dream. 77 overall, John Michael Schmitz, interior offense alignment from Minnesota. Another guy that might not be there, but you could switch Julius Brents and John Michael Schmitz and still potentially get the same output. Um, Kobe Turner, interior defense tackle, Wake Forest. Josh Wiley, tight end from Cincinnati. Trey Palmer, wide receiver from Nebraska. Clayton Toon, quarterback from Houston. Mecky Blackman, cornerback from USC. Andre Carter, edge from Army. Tyler Beach, offensive lineman from Wisconsin. And Hunter Lupique, fullback from uh, North Dakota State University. So I would say 60% of both the shiny toy and future core draft, the Rams have already met with. And I believe it was Ramzilla. Ramzilla, if you're still listening to the pod, shout out to you. Because you said it was the most Les and Sean have ever met with players. That max amount of players they've ever drafted based on who they've met is three. So three players potentially out of the 40 that they've already met with that could be on this draft board. So you kind of got to keep your eyes out for who that could potentially be and how they're going to prioritize it. And it feels like they're going to go wide receiver and running back. Who knows? Ramzilla saw the Mario movie today and he hit me up and he was like, I loved it. I was like, I I love that. Was like, it was amazing. Good. Well, I, I'm still jury's out for me still, but I'll go see it soon. Absolutely will. I will. Okay. So eight eight, Nick. I, I have to go into him for for another second. Like him being a senior captain is great, right? Him being um, intrinsically motivated to be able to 
um, just dedicate himself and and be a part of the rebuild, the culture that was going on at Northwestern. According to the Northwestern director of football uh, player personnel, Jay Hooten, he plays through pain and he, he didn't miss a single start over the last three seasons. The only negatives about him are that he's a tweener and he can get a little flat-footed, but freaky athletic testing, 280 pounds. He's a player that ran a 4.540 yard dash, which is the only 280 plus player to run a 4.540 yard dash in the history of the NFL combine. So freak core player. You can put next to Aaron Donald on the opposite side of him and just let them go to work. Like he's broad, naturally thick. Um, <laughs> he's just everything that you would want births, burst off the ball, unearthing blocks, strikes at the pad level, like upfield quickness, gives blockers uh, the slip. Um, he's just, he's everything. He's urgent chop cross swim, rip moves. Like he's got a little bit of everything in his repertoire. He is a very, very talented pass rusher for being a, a senior from Northwestern. He has a bag of pass rush moves. So that's what I, that's what I would want as the first pick. And then you go over to Julius Brents, same kind of conversation you're having with Darius rush, right? Like extraordinary height, six, one, almost six, two. Wingspan at the position is awesome. He aggressively uses his really long arms at the line of scrimmage to disrupt route timing. He's a fluid athlete. He ran a 4.05 short shuttle, which we know the Rams really like to look at. That's number two amongst all players at the combine. He's a long striding player. He's a functional zone cover. Um, he also has experience at both corner and safety. He's coachable, doesn't mind being challenged. One of the hardest workers on the team and has been since he arrived, says KSU cornerback coach Van Malone. Started all set, all 27 games at Kansas State over the past two seasons. He's a really good player. Like between Darius Rush and Julius Brents, you get one of those two corners, I'm happier than a pig in shit. Mm, never heard that one before. No? Mud? Uh, yeah, I guess that's a little better. It just kind of threw me off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is the more you talk about the future core, it, like I, this is what I want. This is what we want. I think as fans, um, like I'm kind of tired of just taking swings at these guys that have high ceilings. You know what I mean? And being like, okay, yeah, if we, if we bring this person in, best case scenario, we're going to be flying high on offense. It's yeah. the Trey Lance principle. Trey Lance, you bring him in, he's got the highest ceiling. Dude's going to ball out for you, hopefully. They're already fielding calls on him. How long has it been? You know, yeah, like it's, it's, yeah. bring in people that can make a difference immediately. Like we don't know how much longer Aaron Donald has. Stafford right. either. Right. Or Cooper Cup to be in their prime. Like that. if that's who we're building around and you want to bring in talent now, I mean, yeah. I these two guys, both of them, I hugely endorse behind, but I just worry that we're not going to get any of them. But and yeah, you know, the further you go, like Trey Palmer, I do love Boo Boo, even though I know he's like a super late potential pickup. But yeah, I, I watched him a lot at UCLA. Yeah, he's he's in my shiny toy draft, but could very well fit in the future core. Um, oh, he is. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's yeah, but he's, shiny- he's late. He's very yeah, late. yeah. He's just a shiny name. But like Trey Palmer from Nebraska in round five would be a, would be a really solid pick. I think he could be a part of the future core. He could be a Van Jefferson type replacement. You know, Mecky Blackman at corner. If you feel like Darian Kendrick can't play, Andre Carter is insurance at edge. 
you feel like the three, four guys on your roster really can't be starting caliber players. Tyler Beach is offensive line depth, right? If Joe Nopun goes down, if Rob Havenstein, God forbid, goes down, you got some lead depth with an offensive lineman from Wisconsin who we know they like to draft. We know they've gone Logan Bross. I believe Rob Havenstein is from Wisconsin also. I believe they have another Wisconsin offensive lineman on the roster too, or they've had one. So it's it's consistent there. And then like Hunter Lupique, a fullback from North Dakota State University, like that's a RAS player, like jumps out of the building in terms of measurables, would be a Kyle Juszczyk type player in this offense. I'm sure Mike LaFleur could figure out a way on how to use him and how to integrate him into the offense. And knowing how the Rams like to line up players in so many different positions, like Ben Skoranek is a fullback, Cooper Cup in the backfield, um, Cooper Cup in the slot, you know, all, all these different variations and formations that they like to bring to the table. Like these are all players that I feel like can can fulfill the prophecy of of rebuilding, retooling, and, and becoming a, a new version of, of what Sean McVay wants to be in 2023. He had to kind of reinvent himself over the last few years, had to reinvent himself when Matthew Stafford came back. The offense was slightly tweaked. They became drop back. They became, you know, more reliant on empty. They ran the ball less. They were less efficient in the run game, but they were attacking in the pass game. It had a great pass rush, and that wins you a Super Bowl. Um, but there's other guys like John Michael Schmitz. Like he's probably not going to be there in the third round. If he is, like you're getting an NFL ready quality interior offensive lineman, somebody that knows how to use his hands. He generates power from his lower body. Like he has an ability to angle hips. He seals run lanes. Like he's really good. 35 career starts for the Gophers. He missed only two games, only one because of injury, one due to opt out over the last three seasons. He has enough range to pick off linebacker as a climber. He gets into the second level. Like those are the kind of guys you really like. Kobe Turner, an interior defensive tackle. Like those, these are the kind of guys we like to talk about bringing Aaron Donald some support. It's really important to be able to do so, so that he's not exhausted in a 17, 18 game season, however far they end up going this year. He is a guy that plays with outstanding balance, flexibility, grip strength, at contact. Like he, it's all there. He extends, he punches off blocks, um, he rips, tugs, he uses whatever else he could find in his bag of trips, tricks to break down the rhythm of blockers. It's really impressive what he can do in the short area. His short area quickness is great. He's kind of small frames for an interior player. Hey, do you know another one of those guys that was small framed as an interior player that was drafted? He went to pit, you know, like there's a lot of thought that, that you and I really kind of put into how we want to craft this, how yeah. we foresee the future core for this roster. And like Josh Wiley, six foot six, two fifty. I, uh, I know another tight end that, um, you know, was coaches said he was immature, needed direction to, uh, an accountable senior captain, which is what he turned into. Over four years at Cincinnati and 15 career touchdowns, which is the most all time by a tight end at Cincinnati. Hey, you know who else went to Cincinnati and played tight end? I think uh, he's one of the Kelsey brothers. I mm. think. I Travis. Think. And uh, he seemed to be undisciplined as a young kid. He seemed to like the, you know, the good stuff. Uh, yeah, that's something that that you can easily look past. I think, you know, given the right opportunity, people can shine and, you know, you can kind of beat that stuff out of somebody, not totally. literally, but just totally. you know, get it out of their head. Um, the person I want to focus on, though, John Michael Schmidt, I mean, you know, just to bring in somebody on the offensive line that could start immediately. Um, and I think, like, that's going to be focused – if they go future core, I think that's going to be one of the you know main focuses. 
Um, I just really like like him a lot, and I feel like maybe if they could like trade up if they think he's going to go. Yeah, right yeah. Or if you if you ex- I would like to prioritize. Yeah, you get him in the second round. You get him in the third round in that yeah. earlier pick. You don't have to wait until pick seventy seven to go to wait and get him. Yeah. But no, yeah, that's what we're looking for. We're looking to build out the future core. We're also keeping in, in mind that the shiny toy concept is very much in play with this regime. So trying to give you guys the most detailed coverage that we could possibly give you in terms of who the Rams are meeting with, how the, they've structured the draft in the past under less needed Sean McVay, and why we feel like this is the most important draft and how to build sustainability moving forward. Yeah. And Biggest draft in the last – I mean, since they got Jared Goff, I would say. I mean, the biggest drafts in our lifetime prior to the Jared Goff draft was the Sam Bradford draft. You go all the way back to when they, they picked Isaac Bruce in 1996, which I think was the first pick in St. Louis Rams. No, Isaac Bruce was a Los Angeles Ram in the last year of L.A. Rams history, and then – Played for the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, first year. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that they won? Did, did they win the first year? Or no, it was the second no, year in St. Uh, Louis. Second they won. year. Second, I think it was the second full year. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, hey, yeah. welcome. Well, go back and look at the uh, the 1998 or 1999 draft, right, where they got Torrey Holt. Yeah. You know? And I what happened, Bob, too, Bob like, was in that draft, maybe. I remember thinking there were so many things that made me think that they were going to win in 2018, but that was their second year back in Los Angeles. So I was like, Oh, second year. Yeah. Do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Took them, took them a little longer, but they got there. Yeah. Hey guys, we, um, we, we try to give you as much draft coverage as we possibly can via Twitter, via socials. Um, but make sure you guys like and support if you can like subscribe means a lot of movement. It means a ton to us. Um, you know, it's, it's part of this process. We need the support to keep it on going. We need some, cold hard cash so that we could fund this dream of ours great way to get cold hard cash bet online live betting free contest giveaways all season long always the fastest easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events whether that's nfl nba nhl mma tennis boxing or even golf head to betonline.ag to join receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit use our promo code bleav receive your rewards bet online where the game starts um i had a nice hefty bet on the Kings over the Warriors in the series through Bet Online. Nice. So Bet Online, you know, hopefully if they don't the more the Kings don't screw it up. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's give me my money soon, Bet Online. When you yeah, give yeah. it to me already. Hey Draymond's out. Feels like you're uh, you're set up for a win. Yeah, but um, who's the it's a parade inside my city John Morant's out. The Lakers are currently losing right now. Oh that's right. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes these teams step up when it's like, hey, why not us? You know? Like, I love the Bucks next time they play the Kings. Yeah, Kings, Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Hey, basketball's fun. Playoff basketball's fun. Yeah, sorry. I've had basketball in my mind. This whole pod being. All good. All good. You're allowed to. Draft. That's what's going to be on everybody's mind. Follow along with us soon. One week, right? One week. Thank you guys for listening. See you, everybody. Go Rams. Peace. <laughs>